Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Out of My Mind podcast, where we try to view and interpret the events of this world and our culture through the lens of Scripture, in other words, the Bible. I'm your host, Keith Crosby. This is the second part dealing with the implosion and, I believe, inevitable dissolution and death of the United Methodist Church, where one in four United Methodist Churches left the denomination over its stand on sexuality and, here's a confusing word, authority. If you didn't hear the previous podcast, you might want to go back and give it a listen. In the meantime, we're calling this podcast The Methodist Implosion by the Numbers because the trends, the numbers indicate this was long time in coming and this is catastrophic. Once one of the dominant Christian denominations in the U.S., the United Methodist Church is experiencing a major split. Again, this is a disagreement over theology and the Word of God, namely how the church considers its LGBTQ plus ministers and congregants. Now, the top echelons of the leadership do not consider homosexuality problematic or a sin or disqualifying for clergy. Oddly, there's also a little division over whether Christ is the only way. So you have this odd mix of problems, odd particularly with tolerating at times an alternative gospel because this is supposed to be a Christian denomination, and if Christ isn't the only way, then why does this denomination exist at all? What's the basis for it? Now, the Bible would label these views as heretical and a different gospel, and we know from Galatians 1, 8, and 9 that if anyone preaches a different gospel, they are a curse. It says it in 1, 8, and then it doubles down in 1, 9. And so it appears that out of a greater fidelity to the Bible, Something like 25% of these congregations have disaffiliated, choosing to follow Christ rather than some other God. Now, I know this keeps sounding dramatic, but the United Methodist Church is no longer foundationally Christian. It's a social organization. It's a semi-political organization. And for all their God and Jesus talk, they really don't believe it. They are duplicitous. I preached a sermon recently talking about duplicity saying one thing and believing another. So what do I mean by duplicity? Well, this goes beyond hypocrisy. This goes beyond carelessness. There is an intent to present themselves of something that there is not. Christ is merely a figurehead, a decoration, and the Bible is like a, it's like one of those coffee table books that people glance at and really don't read or take seriously. Back to the Bible, the Word of God warns us not to be deceived by empty words because of their deceptions and belief, the wrath of God is coming down upon the sons of disobedience. You see that in Ephesians chapter 5. This is what's going on here. Sadly, many in the church under decades of anemic preaching are complacent, 75%. Others are apparently not. Hence, you have the departure of 25% of the congregations, something like 75 or 7,600 churches. But to be honest, this crisis is not new. We talked a little bit about this last time. People have been leaving the United Methodist Church for years, and nobody's joining them, really. The the exodus has outweighed the uh, influx, if there's an influx at all, and this has only accelerated over the years. And while, in general, membership trends and attendance trends are down in many denominations and many other Methodist denominations, there are numbers of Methodist denominations, very few have seen the precipitous decline such as these progressive or liberal churches like the United Methodist Church, the Episcopal Church USA, and the Presbyterian USA. These are like snowballs rolling downhill, 
gaining speed and size, people are leaving, and this is not good, or is it? Now let's pause for a moment here and talk about membership trends and attendance trends and how they relate to one another. The percentage of formal members relative to the actual attendance and composition reveals a lot about the health of a church. Often membership roles have little positive correlation to actual physical, literal attendance. As you know, this podcast series for me is kind of personal because my grandparents were in the Methodist Church, my father and mother were in the Methodist Church, my sister is in the Methodist Church, and I was in the church too. I underwent infant baptism and confirmation when I was 12. I served as an acolyte and things like that. We talked about that in the last podcast. But for this reason, I'm tracking five United Methodist Churches in my hometown to illustrate the numbers involved in the schism and the health of these churches who are pursuing, perhaps, a different gospel, or at least tolerating it, or being complacent about it. And this would account a little bit and illustrate a little bit the larger death spiral. Membership in all five of these churches over the last decade has not really moved in a positive direction. Any growth in the United Methodist Church and in some of these other denominations takes place in the so-called global south. That's like Africa and South America, where people take the Bible a little more seriously. Speaking of the global south, I had a, conver- a lengthy conversation with the United Methodist Church bishop in an international context. He's, uh, you might say, he's not a U.S. citizen, and he ministers overseas. And he indicated that the global church, the Methodist church everywhere else but the U.S. and parts of Europe, that church, the Church of Africa, Latin America, even the South Pacific, would not tolerate the normalization of homosexuality because it contradicted the Bible. Now, I remember when there was a similar but smaller schism that developed in the Episcopal Church USA, and many of their congregations asked for uh, overseas supervision. Uh, For example, there were churches in Savannah, Georgia that requested to be supervised by the Bishop of Uganda because they had more in common with him biblically. That went on on a smaller scale with the Episcopal Church because it's been dying longer. But the Methodist Church, this is this is this catastrophic event that we're seeing right now, but it's been going on for a while because the United Methodist Church has been veering away from Scripture for decades, and now they're suffering the consequences. So let me just walk you through a couple of United Methodist churches in my hometown. We'll look at their membership relative to their attendance, and we'll see which direction these churches seem to be headed in. And, and this will be pre-COVID, just so that we don't have any anomalies to contend with. The first one is Asbury Memorial Church, named after Francis Asbury of all people. They probably wouldn't let him preach there today. It's an interesting story. This church left the United Methodist Church because they didn't go far enough. They felt the United Methodist Church was too conservative and that they wanted more LGBTQ involvement and more of this type of, uh, for lack of a better and more beat up descriptive term, wokish behavior. So they left, but the numbers in their database we're going to use prior to them leaving. And my grandparents went to this church. And so the decline from from 2004 to 2019, which excludes COVID, attendance declined steadily from 110 people a week to 58 over a a 15-year period of time. That's a 47.3% drop in attendance pre-COVID. 
and so their attendance right now is a little over 50% of, let's say, 2004 levels. Reported membership declined from 326, that's, this isn't attendance, this is membership, from 2004 to 2019. It, it declined from 326 to 111 during the same period. That's a pre-COVID drop of 65.9%. And this is in the Bible Belt, no less, where the Methodist churches relative to the ones in the Northeast tend to be stronger. Let's talk about Isle of Hope Methodist Church. This is a prominent church in the Savannah area. My sister attends there. From 2004 to 2019, again excluding COVID, attendance declined steadily from 796 people a week to 526 people on a Sunday over a period of 15 years. That's a drop of 33.4% in attendance. And so they are at about 66% of their 2004 levels before this last schism, which I believe devastated that church as far as I can tell. Now, reported membership decline went from, now remember these previous numbers, right? In the hundreds, went from 2,490 to 1,896 during the same period. And that's, that's less than 10%, but the decline there in weekly attendance is consistent across the board. Which brings us to Wesley Monumental Methodist Church. That's where I was infant baptized. That's where I served as an acolyte. That's where I grew up. From 2004 to 2019, attendance grew from 430 to 481 over a period of 15 years for an increase of 11.8%. I think there's a reason for that that I'll get into in a moment. Uh, that's, that's a positive growth. Reported membership increased from 1,100 to 1,196 during the same period for an increase of 8.7%. But what's interesting here is this church is downtown in a historic area, and they have all the trappings of high church. They have a beautiful pipe organ that was old when I was, I think it was about, I think it was 100 years old when I was there. They're very high church. They involve the children in the pageantry. They have the readings. They have all these things, the robes. And I believe that that draws people looking for something. They tend to be a little less outwardly liberal than the other churches. But when I watched their service online, there were a lot of older people there. All of these congregations are not particularly young. Anyway, they've kept the outward trappings, and I believe that's been to their benefit. People like religion. The next one is White Bluff United Methodist Church. There's no family connection there that I know of. But that from 2004 to 2019, attendance declined steadily from 431 each week to about 225 over a 15-year period. That's a pre-COVID drop of 47.7%, almost half in an attendance that is 52% of its 2004 levels. Reported membership declined from 1,886 to 872 over the same period. That's a drop of 53.4%. Finally, there's the Korean Methodist Church. That's an ethnic church. And I would expect its behavior to be somewhat different, but they had their own decline. They've had kind of in, in membership, but their attendance has, just, has been kind of a uh, it looks like a wave on the sea bobbing up and down. From 2004 to 2019, again excluding COVID, attendance declines from 107 per week to 87 over a period of 15 years for a drop of 18.7%, an attendance that is 81.3% of its 2004 levels. 
Reported membership declined from 175 to 83 during the same period. That's a drop of 52.6% from 2004 to 2019. Now, this is typical. These types of declines, this steady decline, it's like a slow motion plane crash. We know how it's going to end. It's typical of the so-called mainline Protestant denominations. They have jettisoned the Bible. And to be honest, things could be worse for the Methodists because as bad as this sounds, according to their own statistics, the Episcopal Church USA, which is distantly connected to the Church of England, is far worse off. According to their denominational reports, in the typical Episcopalian church, median attendance has dropped from 53 people a week to 51. That is nationwide. 61% of parishes saw an attendance decline of 10% or more. But I want you to catch this. The average Episcopal church, and some of them are huge and glorious looking, has about 51 to 53 attenders. And all this is pre-COVID. The average age of an attendee is 69 years old, and they are mostly, mostly white. And considering a life expectancy, let's say, into the 80s, you can expect to see a precipitous decline and demise in the foreseeable future. This half of a membership could be lost by 2040, leading to the de facto death of the denomination by 2050. That is incredible. Now, the Episcopal Church is trying to stir up and rally attendance. They held a huge uh, rally in Washington, D.C. called Holding On to Hope. It was online, or you could be there in person. Uh, you, can, you can click on my show notes, and you can watch part of this thing. This online Holding On to Hope service featured a Sikh filmmaker, a female rabbi from Chicago, a representative of the Islamic Society of North America's Interfaith Relations Department, the female presiding bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, a Jesuit priest noted for promoting LGBTQ tolerance, and the former Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice. Their message was, our ideals, values, and principles and dreams of beloved community matter. They matter to our life as a nation and as a world. Our values matter. But you have to wonder, what are your values? Look at that crowd of people. Look at that odd assortment, that menagerie. Whose values? Whose values are we talking about? The Sikh filmmaker? The Islamist? The liberal Lutheran? The LGBTQ promoting priest? Or Condoleezza Rice, whose prayer was a little more orthodox than the rest of them? And what about the Bible? The Sikh speaker read from his holy scriptures saying, this is the word of God. Is the Bible the word of God? And, and, the, and the Islamic representative uh, read from the Quran in Arabic. You know, I'm reminded that significant declines follow significant sin. This is what we're seeing here, and this is the future of the United Methodist Church. What it comes down to is this. It's kind of an Andy Stanley thing. When you want to unhitch from the scriptures, this is what happens. These are the consequences. Well, I think that's enough for now. This is Keith Crosby signing off for the Out of My Mind podcast. If you appreciate this podcast, like us or give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends about us. Share the podcast. And, and by the way, you can email me at keithcrosby at yahoo.com. That's my old email address. There are no underscores or numbers because I got it in 1994 before there was a Google and email was new. That kind of shows how old I am, I guess. Anyway, until next time, God bless you and God keep you.